Hey, this is Mikey D. Welcome to part six of the Stoops Anomalies. Thanks for uh, coming back. I'm glad that some people are enjoying these, uh, these interesting tales of improv stories that were told uh, quite a while ago. But it's fun. It was fun listening to them again after all these years. And it maybe even inspired me to maybe continue them after the last part of this batch go up. But we'll see. But I'm glad you, you're enjoying them and also enjoying the regular Stoops of Atlantis. And a new episode will be coming shortly. Uh, thank you again for listening. And if you can, please, please, please just rate rate the podcast. It's very easy to do. Uh, just go, It's on the app. You just scroll down. There should be stars. Just click on the number of stars you want to give it. And you, don't have to, you don't have to do it per episode, just for the podcast in general. Uh, it's really easy, but it helps the podcast growth immensely. I can't tell you how much, how important it is. So please do that. If you want to write a, a, a review, that's fine. Uh, people have done it, and I really appreciate that. But, I, you know, even just the clicking the stars would be, is very, very helpful. Uh, so anyway, so where were we? We, West, we saw uh, Kilroy. He was telling the story from his orbiting station that Booby had forgotten his keys. And now had to figure out how to get up to the roof. And that's where this episode six begins. Okay, enjoy, and I'll be back after the story. Booby wasn't very concerned, and uh, he had left his key. He had a simple solution. We would just walk over to the building next door and climb its staircase to the roof. So we did, and we entered this old building whose facade was crumbling like only brownstone will, to a powdery dust like the Sphinx in Egypt. Windows of this building were filthy and cracked and repaired with ancient masking tape and strips of old newspaper that announced the re-election of FDR. And on a chorus of creaky hinges we entered this building whose front vestibule smelled like urine. Human urine. The next door was hanging on a single hinge and it creaked and cracked open. We entered and stood before the first staircase. It was an old, broken staircase made of wood. It looked dangerous, but we had no choice. So we began to climb. We kept our steps in unison as to minimize the uh, sound and try not to wake the neighbors who were sweeping behind the filthy doors of this ill-kept building. We had uh, climbed only three steps when the, the door opened below us. Ground floor apartment. And we heard a voice calling out for Martin. Martin, Martin, is that you? The voice asked. And we just froze and stood there. Out of the shadows, a face peered out. It was a face that looked like it belonged in a sarcophagus. It was, it was an ancient female face, snow white hair swirling around its skull top. And again, the uh, the face cried out, uh, Martin, is that you, Martin? And she locked eyes with me. Yet her eyes seemed to look beyond me, maybe above me or past me, but she said, Who are you? And I, and I looked to Booby quickly and uh, said the first thing that popped into my mind. I said, uh, I'm, I'm the mailman. She says, "What's well, it's, it's the middle of the night. I never get mail in the middle of the night. And I said, well, it's rain or, or shine or dark of night. Before the, the 
someone awakes. And she said, oh, are you delivering something for me? And I said, no, uh, for the people upstairs. She goes, have you seen Martin? I said, Who, who's Martin? She goes, he's, he's my boy. He, he was on an assignment. He was working for the government. And it began a booby in me. We didn't know what to do. We just thought maybe we should just play along. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Uh, did he work for the postal service? And she goes, no, he was... He, he worked for the Defense Department. Uh, I think it's the CIA. He was, he was watching the guy. Watching that guy who looks like he's from the 50s with the, the hair like a singer. And he smells like patchouli oil. I mean, whatever that is, I've never smelled patchouli oil. But, are you not alone, are you? She said. And I said, well, no, my, my partner's here. I'm, I'm, I'm training him. He, he's going to take over this route. She said, oh, well. Does he know where Martin is? I walked to Bobby and, and I put my finger over his, over his mouth so he wouldn't speak. And he said, no, he doesn't. He, he's new to this, to this neighborhood. He, he certainly could never know, never know your son. And I looked at Bobby and uh, he looked at me with a raised eyebrow. I said, well, I, I haven't seen Martin. And she said, well, I, I hear him quite often. I haven't, I haven't seen him in many, many years. But I can sometimes smell for him, smell his cologne, his old spice. Or sometimes I'll put my ear against the window and listen for him, listen to see if he's coming home. It was at that point I realized that this woman was, was blind. She couldn't see a thing. And I, I just uh, thanked her. I don't know why I thanked her. I just said, thank you for your for your story. Uh, if I see Martin, I will, I will tell him that you're looking for him. And she turned and silently went back inside. Bobby just waved her off, made a swirling motion around his temple with his finger, and climbed the steps, and I knew, I knew he, she wasn't crazy. This woman's son had been spying on Bobby. into the collective 
and allow us to continue living. Same thing with breath. Each breath we breathe is a chemical to electrical to quantum to some mystical force all interacting in a cosmic ballet. What well, dawned on me? Why, you know, just skip the middleman. You don't need the little Trina ballerina with the little perky dress and the little shoes and the, uh, and the, and the little jeweled encrusted whatever you call that hat the crown the thing that uh, Miss America wears I don't have a thesaurus on me I'll, I'll have to ponder that but anyway why not meditate on the act of eating and on the act of breathing Freeze! You are flying where I fly. 
shared a curious glance. I didn't know what to do. So uh, I cleared my throat and said, I'm, uh, I'm delivering mail. Because mail, there is no mail where I am. I said, well, okay, well, it's not for you anyway, so can I just... Uh, no, you cannot continue, he said. I'm just landing myself. And I will soon be taken again. And now I began to wonder what he was talking about. It seemed to strike a theme. I, I dared not mention the word alien or UFO. And as if reading my mind, he said, No, I'm not crazy. I'm not seeing flying saucers. My mind is a flying saucer. I'm about to ingest the next craft. Now I understood. He was uh, partaking of some, uh, most likely illegal substances. Uh, Booby motioned to continue up. I, I held him back. I was getting a little concerned about this person whose eyes were getting closer. And, uh, his body was following. He didn't make any sound when he walked. There was no creaking boards. He walked like a fox. And finally, finally, he managed to step into a slight slash of gray light. And he was a somewhat handsome man, maybe uh, 40 years old. Salt and pepper hair. A thin nose. A chin that was firm, strong, solid. And he looked at me. And he looked at Booby with a knowing glare. And he said, I'm flying for you, Booby. And uh, again, uh, what had become a habit with me and Booby uh, shared a glance. And I started to understand who he might be. I said, are you the... Uh... He goes, yes. I'm the son of that blind woman you just spoke to. I said, well, she's, she's looking for you. She's concerned. I think you should let her know you're home. And he says, I've been home. I've been home for a year. Although I had to take flight, I need to escape. Es escape from what? I asked the guy. He looked at me, then he looked at Booby, and he said, Escape from the pain of my own existence. Booby knows what I mean. Don't you, Booby? Finally, Booby uh, stepped forward and said, Who are you? There was a look of pain on this man's face, as if someone had just stabbed the back end of a baseball bat into his groin. There he is. That's the pain I'm talking about. A friend. I was once a friend. And now you betray me. You forced me to betray you. And Booby just shrugged and said, I disguise. Looney and the Cocoa. I said, Are you Martin? Is your name Martin? Did you work for the CIA? That's what your mother said. Yes, yeah. I was recruited. I worked out at Area 51. Booby remembers me. We used to go out onto those trips in the desert where we would dance and sing and do backflips in the sand and have the orgy with the aliens. You were my friend, Booby. Booby's eyebrows raised a bit. Look at 
recognition. And I filled his face. And he said, Martin, yeah, I remember you were that guy. You worked at Area 51, didn't you? And Martin said, that's what I just said. Don't you remember? We were buddies. You said hello to me that day. No one ever said hello to me. I worked at Area 51 for three years, and I think two people said hello to me. But when you said it, you said it as a friend would. You said it as you seriously wanted to greet me. Ruby, try to, it seems as though you're fishing for memories. I said, what did you do there? You, you weren't in the military. You were a civilian worker. And he goes, yes, I was, I was brought on board to examine some materials. I'm an expert in metals. Yeah, Ruby cried. He goes, metal man. You were the guy in charge of metals. I remember you now. Martin kind of looked at him. hurt. And he shook his head. He said, I don't want to talk about metals. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about us. Or friendship. And Booby uh, said, I, you know, I don't remember being buddies. I, I mean, I do remember you, but I don't remember anything past hello. In fact, I don't... I, I don't even remember you at the orgies. Martin really looked dejected. He dropped his head and did a little pirouette and then walked back up at Booby and said, You never said anything else but hello. It was in my mind. I had hours of conversations. I knew somehow I felt in my gut that we had much in common. That we could be buddies. That we could prance down the prairies and race across desert lands. Maybe rob banks and pick up chicks in bars and play video games. Perhaps I could teach you about metals and you could teach me about janitorial supplies. Maybe we could join mines and create a whole line of special metal mops and buckets. We would have been a great team. Without so much as a goodbye, what we just said, and oh, I'm sorry if I was fired. If I'd have known if you would have mentioned uh, your interest in metal janitorial supplies, but, but then again, I, I've left the business. I, I no longer dabble in that, in, in that craft. And anyway, I, I'm really busy right now. I, we've got to go. We've got to go to the roof. We have things to do. I'll have to talk to you another time. Martin fell to his knees and started sobbing. Because as suddenly as he had started, he stood up, spun on a dime, and marched, marched back into his apartment. I think he was humming a John Philip Sousa tune. Remember when you were young? You shone like the sun.
So, went up a flight, uh, up a story, and it, it appears each story, S-T-O-R-E-Y, is going to have its own story, S-T-O-R-Y. So uh, keep tuning in uh, to both Stoops of Atlantis and the Anomalies. There will be a few more episodes, and who knows, maybe I'll continue this with new improv stories. We'll see. If you like these... Or if you enjoy Stoops of Atlantis, please, please, please give it a five-star rating or four-star, whatever. That's up to you. But uh, just keep listening in and keep spreading the word about Stoops of Atlantis. And I'll see you next time on the Stoop or in the Space Station.